Hey everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today you're listening to episode 158 and I'm talking with Carly Gill. Carly just ran CIM, her fifth marathon, in a time of 2.47. She was a part of a huge group of women who were gunning for that sub 245 to qualify for the trials. But what you need to know about Carly is this was only her fifth marathon. She is pretty new to marathoning in the grand scheme of things. It's only been a few years and she has just knocked her time down marathon after marathon. And we talk about that. We talk about what her first marathon looked like. She ran a 321, uh, her first sub three in New York. And when she finally realized, hey, like, why not me? I can train to qualify for the trials because I love this. I love this sport. I love training hard. I love what I'm doing. And why can't I train for these fast times? So Carly walked away from CIM with a big victory, a two-minute PR. And when you're running a 249, 247 marathon, two minutes is a lot. And don't get me wrong, two, two minutes is a lot regardless. But she talks about, you know, taking risks going into this race and walking away from it, uh, excited about that PR and excited about what she can do in the future. So that 2020 trials is not off the table for Carly. Carly's coached by Mario Fraioli. And I am really excited because Mario and I are going to record a Patreon episode where he talks to me and shares with me details about what it's like to coach someone like Carly and people that are running these really fast times. So that'll be up today as well. All right. And today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Generation You Can. Generation You Can is the fuel source that I choose when I train for marathons, training for Boston right now and using Generation You Can. I think you should try it too. It is powered by super starch and it gives you long lasting, steady energy and is easy on the stomach. You guys can get 15% off your order of generation. You can, when you go to generationyoucan.com slash discount slash another and use the promo code another at checkout. Thank you. Generation. You can for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you guys are loving the show, head over to iTunes or wherever you listen in any podcast app and leave a rating and review. If you would do that, that would be so awesome. It's one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And I appreciate each and every one of you who have already done so. Let's see. Let's give someone a shout out. It's always weird giving someone a shout out because then I feel like I'm just praising myself. But maybe if I read these, more of you will be incentivized to do it as well. You could get a shout out. I know that's like life changing, right? Podcast Creeper says, (laughs) uplifting. Lindsay is a fabulous host. She asks things that I wouldn't as a man, but then it draws me in. So I'm glad she's edgy enough to go for it. Great, Mrs. Hine. Okay, I love that podcast creeper. Good, good, good. That is a great review. I love it so much. So guys, you could be the next person that whose review gets read if you leave a review. Please make your name something as funny as podcast creeper though. That increases your chances of me reading it on air. And you guys can also support the show on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine, I release bonus episodes over there. I mentioned I'm going to have a bonus episode with Mario Fraioli, who coaches Carly and Glenn. My husband and I just recorded another bonus episode for Patreon just last night. So that'll go up in December as well. So actually, December has three bonus episodes in Patreon. You get an episode, a live episode with Chrissy Mail, badass ultra runner. You get an episode with Mario Fraioli, Carly's coach. And you get an episode with Glenn as well. So lots of good bonus content that goes actually directly to your podcast feed. As soon as you support the show over on Patreon, you can just add it to your podcast feed. And anytime there's a new episode, it drops directly into your feed. 
Thanks all who are already supporting over there. All right, you guys, I hope you really enjoy this conversation with Carly Gill. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Carly Gill. Welcome to the show, Carly. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you here. You have been uh, someone that has been recommended quite a few times. And my friend Michelle keeps saying, you need to have Carly the braid girl on. (laughs) (laughs) The braid girl. I love Michelle. Thank you for the recommendation. (laughs) So you just ran CIM, Carly. Before we get into that, I want to learn about you. I want to get to know you a little bit more than what I know just from your Instagram account. So can you kind of tell everybody where you grew up and, and what your, you know, I read that, that article, that Tempo article, and it was so good, but can you kind of share a little bit of your life uh, before, you know, these big goals to qualify for the Olympic trials? Yeah, um, I grew up in upstate New York, um, near Binghamton, New York. I went to Johnson City High School. Um, and growing up, I, in terms of running, I didn't, um, I couldn't sit still as a kid, but I didn't really ever, like, run um, as a sport until middle school. I think I always liked to run around. I remember in church, I would do, like, these, like, running little things, but it was nothing super serious. I played soccer. I think I was, like, born and bred on the soccer field because my I'm the youngest of four and all of my siblings played soccer and naturally I played soccer too I was ball girl from the time I could walk um and then naturally played um through most of my life and I loved it and then you know as I got into like middle school and high school I kind of I was into music and theater and all that stuff and naturally the sports, I, I did everything. I wanted to do everything. And, um, I had a tough time choosing and I ended up swimming, diving. I was a competitive diver for all four high school years. I did track in middle school as a sprinter, but I wasn't really enjoying it. And then they would like send me out and I, I did like to go for runs. So I think there was like hints of it. Um, I always liked to go out with the distance people and just get like lost in the woods or whatever, but they all, they all did cross country. So I didn't think I was that good and I, I think I always was like oh this is fun but it's not something to keep up because um, I never let myself uh, kind of get into it that much and I always had like all these other interests um, and then in high school my senior year the play was um, Annie and I had a smaller role I wasn't Annie I was short so they I was like one of the orphans but anyways it just wasn't as much time as I usually had to devote to it and one of my friends was like let's go you know get in shape for prom and go to indoor track get in shape for prom (laughs) yeah so um so yeah so I went and um and I really enjoyed it and I got a lot better as the season went on because we kind of it was there was no pressure because it was a club or there was only like five people doing indoor we didn't really have a team so I was like yeah I'll do that and then uh next thing I know I'm kind of like part of the four by eight because we had these two McKenna and Lauren, hi. Um, we had these like two really, really fast girls um, from my hometown. It's a pretty small school. And so they were like, well, we have these two really, really fast girls and we just need two girls to kind of make a relay. So I got really into that because I was part of something and, you know, I wasn't as fast as them, but together we were a pretty good um, team. And so um, that was my senior year though. And I think that's when I first got the real taste of like, wow, if I work at something, I can get I can get a lot better. Um, and yeah. And so then my high school coach was like, well, you're going to Ithaca college. Right. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, it's D3. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you could just walk on. And I was like, I don't know. 
Um, and I ended up actually making friends with somebody who didn't make the soccer team. And she was like, I'm going to walk on, walk on with me. And I was like, okay. So um, I walked on at Ithaca, but, uh, and then ended up doing a season of cross country, but I, I wasn't, and I'm not even, you know, I wasn't fast. I wasn't even like remotely fast. I just loved it. Um, so I had fun and I loved being a part of the team. So I did that for a little bit and then, yeah. And then I didn't run. That was, um, 2009, 2010. And I only did it for two years in college. And then I didn't really run again much until like 2013, 2014. And even then barely. Um, and I just kind of got into it a little more competitively in like 2015, 2016. So I'm really new to running. <laughs> yeah. So, so did you, when you graduated college, what were you doing? So you graduated college in what, like 2012? 2013. Yeah. I, um, my major was in a little more creative. I, I'm in, I studied communications and I, so I had tons of internships and that's kind of why I fell out of running again in college. I was like, I need to prioritize my career. So I was like interning. I went to LA, um, and I did a New York semester and, um, interned at all these cool internships. And then when I graduated, I was like couch surfing and working on movies and doing, all, you know, any job I could get that was, that was going to get me started and then I moved to New York and immediately was just absorbed in networking and like working and I was an, I was a personal assistant um to an executive producer and and so my life was very sucked up with work and kind of trying to budget in a very expensive city um on a not very high but high um income so I, I I didn't really run until it dawned on me that I didn't feel super healthy and I was like well what can I afford well I have running shoes um and I got out the door um, but it it never was this, it, initially, it never was this thing like uh, where I thought I would have, if I, if I saw what goals I have now, I would have laughed, like, no <laughs> way, you know, um, I just kind of initially wanted to start running again for me. And, um, and then I started running with some running groups, like there's Nike run group, run club was going on at the time. And I made some friends. And as I made friends, I became more consistent and, I had, I had dabbled in a couple half marathons, but I think I knew, you know, like, Hey, it would be kind of fun to train for one of those. Cause I ran a couple on, on a whim and they weren't very pleasant because I wasn't really training. Um, but I was like, I think it would be fun to try to like figure out, out how one person would train for a half marathon. And, and it kind of started there. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so when did you run your first marathon? Um, I planned on the New York City Marathon being my first marathon, um, and I decided that in 2015, So, but I didn't get in um, in the lottery in 2015, so I decided to start doing New York Roadrunners does the 9 plus 1, where you run nine races and volunteer or, do, or donate to a charity, um, and I was like, okay, I'll do that, and the one marathon I'll run is New York City Marathon in 2016 then, and so then I started doing all these races and I was running with Nike Run Club. And this was like the year I kind of really started running, I would say, 2015 um, and being consistent with that. And I was loving it. And I think it was maybe in the summer I was like, man, I don't want to wait another year to run a marathon. If I'm going to do it, I should do it now. Um, but what one could I get into? And, and I looked and um, I kind of didn't want it to be a big deal. <laughs> so I was like, kind of close what's what could I do but it's big enough um and so I did I signed up for Philly Philadelphia Marathon in 2015 um and was really excited to start training for that and I was following like 
an I think I was using the Nike app to train for it. And I remember the first day I was like officially marathon training. I was so excited. And I think training got me excited to run. And, and every day I was running, I was just excited that I was able to do it. And each long run that I was able to do, I was just like, whoa, this is the longest I've run. And, um, oh, do I get to eat during this run? Like, <laughs> And, you know, I was just very much just loving every step and, and not really putting a lot of pressure on myself in terms of pace or anything. Um, and I ran that. Um, and I met a girl in, I was doing all these races. So in the Bronx 10 miler, I met my now friend, Danny, we met during this race and I was running with her. It was a 10 miler and it was September. So I was in marathon training and I remember she asked me, she's like, what do you think you can do, um, in your first marathon? And I was like, well, I'm hoping I can finish. And she was like, what? Like you're running at like seven something pace, you know, and you're talking and whatever, you should try to qualify for Boston. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, it's my first marathon. No one does that. You know, I I didn't really know. I didn't even know people kept saying BQ and I was like, what is that? I was so, (laughs) um, but yeah, so I ran Philly kind of, I remember like standing on the start line. I was, I like teared up. I was like, what did I get myself into? Um, I don't know about this. <laughs> like, what do I do? Um, and yeah, so I ran Philadelphia in 2015. That was my first. Okay. So what did you run it in? 321. Okay. Um, and I was super excited because a college teammate actually ran by me at mile five and she goes, don't forget, save something for the last 10 K. And I was so nervous to get to that 20 mile mark, you know? And so I got there and then I was like feeling really good, (laughs) which I don't think I've had since. I was like, okay, I guess I go now. (laughs) It was fun. I I came out of that race, you know, just super happy and excited that I was going to do New York the next year. And I don't know. I just loved it. I didn't, I still at that point wasn't, you know, I was like really excited to qualify for Boston and exceed my ex, my own expectations. Um, and yeah, at that point I was just like, wow, this is so fun. <laughs> so then was it that next year that you went sub three in New York? Yes. The follow yeah. just one year later. Yeah. So I had quite the 2016. I would say that was sort of when the switch happened in a lot, in all the distances really. I, um, I had, so I'd qualified for Boston, but for 2017. So I, didn't jump into a spring marathon, but I think that was kind of good because I came out of a marathon cycle where, you know, I was just learning and, um, you know, to listen to my body and to run, you know, a little bit more than I ever had more consistently. And I just built upon that and I continued meeting on, you know, a couple times a week I would go to like Nike run club or these other small groups that I would meet with and just do their workouts. And and I was following a plan. I was going to do the NYC half. I was really excited about that. And, I ran the NYC half that year and dropped 12 minutes in my half marathon time. I had no idea. I didn't even, that wasn't my goal, (laughs) but I did. And so 2016 was kind of the year that all my PRs were suddenly a lot faster. I like PR'd in every distance throughout that year. Um, And then going into training for New York, I, I kind of started actually thinking about it, but I was, I was like, well, no, I need to respect the distance. And, you know, I know a lot of people who haven't gone sub three. So, you know, why should I even be thinking about that? That must be impossible. But as the training went on, I was like, wow, 652 pace is kind of fun. Like, I, you know, see how long I can hold that pace. And I just, I wasn't 
wrapped up in it, but I was like, well, if I train for a sub three, then maybe I'll be ready for New York. I can do a 310 or a 305, you know, because I know the course is hard and I want to respect that. Um, and I kind of got in my head I wanted to do a 305 because uh, one of my guy friends had told me, well, a friend, a running friend of mine had told me that it was too easy for girls to qualify for Boston. So and you want the men's standard. Yeah, I wanted the men's standard. But then as I was training, I was like, well, I might as well try to train for sub three. And um, that was like, uh, I, I surprised myself in that race as well. I think it was like, what, 22, 23 minute PR. So <laughs> I was, it was a beautiful day. I ran 259.01. And um, yeah, it was hard. <laughs> but I was, I was really excited. So that was your second marathon after Philly. Yes. Okay. So, and you were still self-coached at that time. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of friends that I would ask questions. I was following mostly online training plans. And How many miles a week were you running when you ran that 259? I peaked one week at 70, but most of the weeks were 60s. Okay. So, I mean, that's really high for like yeah. your, your second marathon. That's a, That's some intense running for sure. Yeah. I think I found, I think coming out of I don't know what I ran in the Philly build, but I, I'm assuming it was around 40 to 50, okay. 55 maybe. And then, but then that spring when I started half training and I had a little more coaching advice, um, I found myself in the fifties a lot more. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of my base was, was fifties. And, and I liked that, I think. Um, and then I, I don't know, I just started reading more about running and, and the way my body started adapting to the mileage and, and doing a lot of easy mileage and take, you know, still taking rest days when I need them. And, um, you know, finding that balance was really important. And I think I did that pretty well in 2016. My mileage is definitely was definitely very high for a beginner. Um, yeah, it's interesting to hear that because, you know, you hear a lot of people say, and especially with the mentality you were kind of talking about, like, Oh, I'm just going to finish, you know, but it's almost like you didn't even realize that you were really putting in some legit work. So when people were like, maybe you should try to qualify for Boston, you weren't <laughs> even like seeing, you know, the, what you were doing. Cause like clearly you were in very good shape for that. I mean, 50 miles for your first marathons, a high peak. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah, for, I'm not entirely sure how many miles I was running for Philly cause I was doing it on an app, but um, I didn't really log as good for that one. But for New York, um, a friend of mine had, given me a training plan that he had followed and he ran, you know, sub three, but it was in kilometers. So I thought he was changing the paces to be three ten. <laughs> um, it was in kilometer paces and he told me he was going to change it to my paces, but I think he just left it the same. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so what was the plan? Was it like a Canadian plan or something? What, who, what was it? He's German. So okay. I he got it, but he used it. It was very standard. A lot of, you know, Yazo 800. Uh-huh. But- mile repeats and it wasn't anything crazy but it was a very standard plan um and most of the weeks were 55 to 65 okay okay and then I think one week I just wanted to hit 70 because I was so close which is terrible don't do that no I get it for sure (laughs) yeah um and so that yeah that was New York and and I think even going into New York I wasn't sure I could do it but I don't know I just got there on the day and I had read a lot about how to run that course right, and I was I was just very in, intrigued by it and saw it as a challenge to pace myself appropriately. Did you run an even split? 
pretty much. I crossed the half in 129.29 and then 129.30. Wow. Yeah, like perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I was shocked because I did fade a lot. Going down Cat Hill hurt a lot, but I had pretty good splits in the Bronx, weirdly. Um, You know, mile 20 to 22, I was like kind of cruising, but I had hit a wall in like 17, 18. I wasn't, I remember mile 18, I was like, I don't know about this (laughs) moment of doubt, but then I don't know. I just knew so many people along the course and I had such good support. So mile 18 is a tricky spot because it's like, you're so far out still. Um, yet you're so close at the same time. And it's like, it's a really hard spot to keep your mind in the right place. If you do have a weak moment. Yeah. One of my friends, um, a, a guy, Augustine, he ran up next to me, I think it was at 2021. He's like, how are you feeling? And I was like, really bad. And then I like, <laughs> picked it up a little and he, and he said to this day he still laughs about that moment because he's like you were you just looked at me like with so much pain and then just kind of ran off and I was like I don't know <laughs> you um, you needed him to say something he was like I feel bad but I, I can it's almost like sometimes when you feel like that you're like if you give yourself a little surge it might be what you need yeah yeah I might have paid for it a little down Cat Hill but <laughs> I was surprised because I lived on 90th Street at the time so I knew the route really well from entering the park to the finish line is like my was like my morning run and so I was so excited for the downhill of Cat Hill but it hurt so bad to run downhill my quads <laughs> oh I'm sure Okay, so the tempo article is like such a great article. How did that come about anyway? Because I want to I want to bring up how in that article um, they talked about how you finished your sub three and someone texted you and were like, hey, the, the you know, the trials time is two forty five. I don't know what they're, it's going to be for next, you know, yeah. 2016 or whatever, but or for 2020. But um, tell us about that story and then also tell us about how that tempo article came about. Yeah. So after New York, when I finished, um, I got a DM from, it wasn't just anyone. It was Julia Lucas, who, if, um, you don't know who that is, she ran for the Oregon track club and she Nike run clubs head coach at the time. Um, and she was cheering her heart out for all of the athletes. She was very much a big part in, um, my 2016 success because I would go to these Nike runs and she would very much encourage me to run with a faster group and, um, kind of get my start in all of that, like having a coach, um, through that Nike run club. But so she, when she messaged me that I was like, what in the world? I mean, I'm honored, but no, (laughs) I was like Googling the pace for 245 and I like laughed. Um, I was like, whoa, no way. Um, but she, yeah, so she sent me that in in a DM after the race. And I don't know, it did sort of spark this idea that maybe I could chip away at, at the 259. And she's like, yeah, it was your second marathon. I mean, yeah, shows something. And I, I, I still kind of had a lot of self-doubt, but I was excited and, and it was a cool thought. Um, and so the Temple article, uh, Jody Bailey, the photographer and writer, he knows my coach really well, Mario, mm-hmm. um, and I think he knew that Mario had a lot of athletes going for 245. And he had seen me at a couple of New York events. He come, He's from Canada, but he comes to New York a lot. Um, and he reached out to me. He was like, hey, like, I'm doing this article. I really want to follow the 245 path. Would you be interested in, you know, getting coffee when I'm there? And, you know, maybe I could take some photos of you, obviously, during the race, but maybe before. And really, that's kind of all he said. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be super focused. But as long as, you know you don't need me to do anything extra you're welcome to tag along. And so that's how that came about. Um, 
And I was, I, I said to him right in that message, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to definitely do it. So if you want someone who's definitely going to, no way to know if someone's definitely going to do it. But I was like, you know, I definitely had a little bit of, you know, I knew it was a, a big goal to have for me in, at this time. Um, but I knew I was going to put myself in the mix and he's like, that's exactly what I need. So it doesn't matter. He's like, that's life. Like <laughs> there's no guarantee. And I, I knew that. So it was really cool. And, um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll link to that article in, in the show notes for anybody who hasn't read it because it's really good. I mean, just the whole article talks about kind of the team spirit of all the girls gunning for that trials qualifier and, it's just, it's kind of like, um, it's like, man, just as adults doing something we love, we can find this team with women that we don't even necessarily train with. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, social media can have its downside, but on the flip side, I saw so many women that had connected with me through social media, and I felt, I felt like they were my sisters. Like, some of them added me on you know, Strava or Instagram or Facebook, whatever. And just encouraging along the way. And I was walking down the street with, uh, Jody, but he was like with me and I go, Caitlin. And he, I, I start walking with this girl, Caitlin. And he's like, Oh wow. How long have you known her? I was like, we just met <laughs> I was like, I from Instagram and, and, um, we had connected and, and she reached out and was like, Oh my gosh, are you training for this? Oh, you'll be in CIM. And, um, and having these women, like I felt like I knew so many of these women already. And, um, most of them I hadn't even met until we lined up. Um, and Caitlin was in the article. She was the one that said, I think he quoted her saying like, this is going to be the best day of my life. Um, she did have the best day of her life. She, uh, she did it and she ran a really great race. Um, and it just felt like a sisterhood out there. It was crazy. I really, I knew it would be amazing, but I think here, being in it, it was so different. And I, I kind of went into it thinking we'd be more of just like one solid huddle pack. I was a little nervous it would be overcrowded, but mm. I think the packlets that formed, the mini packs that started to form, and, and, you know, people have ups and downs throughout the race. And I thought the Pacers would be leading the pack, but then um, we didn't even see the Pacers. I didn't even see the Pacers at all because they started behind us, and then none of us wanted to, like, slow down or, like, look back, like, look for them. Um, and so a lot of us that started in the – because there was, there was the pro corral, and then there was this, like, seated corral for us. And most of the women going for it were – in the seated corral or the pro corral. And so, but the pacers, I guess, started behind us. So a lot of the women, we were just like, where are our pacers? I guess we are our pacers. <laughs> I was quoted saying that. And I was like, it kind of became that because we all naturally went out at that pace. And based on where you started, um, you just kind of fell into these mini packs and um, not a lot of, uh, I mean, CIM does an amazing job, but they can't support. I mean, there's so many sub elite, athletes at this race that they can't provide, you know, nutrition for everyone. So, you know, some of the athletes who had it would, or if someone handed off a bottle, they would be like, do you need Martin? Do you need, you need, um, I have Gatorade, I have whatever, you know, whatever drink they had, they would be like offering it up. I have water. A lot of the men that were with running with women or running with us would offer us stuff too. And Aww. it was super supportive and it almost felt like we were just out for a jog, especially in the beginning. I mean, it should feel easy in the beginning, but it was, uh, people were talkative and, um, just the sound of everyone's feet. It was, it was really magical. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like, it kind of like 
loosens up the vibe a little bit when you have like everybody like we're all in this together. We're all we're all going to work really hard today. But right now we can like kind of calm down for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, a lot of us, you know, when we go to these smaller races, whether, you know, some people are racing for club points, or you're race, racing cross country, you you know, you're trying to get a specific spot. But I think everybody was just racing the clock. So mm-hmm. it didn't you know, if I got, if you got 244 and ran that 200th place or 12th place, you know, a 244 in like a major marathon would get you top 20 probably. And, and this race, you would be 99. That's so, crazy. Yeah. So, so that's crazy. The, that's the kind of thing. Like I, I think my 249 in Berlin got me 35th in Berlin and it would have gotten me like a hundred and 95th or something in this race you know I maybe not that but um and that just puts into perspective how many sub elite athletes there are there like it was such a good opportunity for me to be around it and kind of um just to have the power of all those women together in one place just was it was really amazing and, and motivating and inspiring to be a part of Hey guys, I want to jump in real quick and thank a sponsor for this episode. And that is the Donna Marathon. More than just a sponsor though, I'm so passionate about the Donna Marathon. We went for the first time last year in Jacksonville, Florida, and it is a great event, supports breast cancer research and care for those living with the disease. Donna, the founder has been on this podcast. Go back and listen to her episode. She was an amazing interview, Donna Deegan. And it's a flat, fast, fun, beautiful course. It's a great time of year to go to Jacksonville because it's February. I don't know if you're from Indiana like me, but I want to get out of Indiana in February. Glenn, my husband, and I will be down there, and we are going to be running. I'm going to run the half. I don't know what he's going to run. I assume he'll run the half as well. And Jacksonville is surrounded by St. Augustine, which is another fun town that you can visit while you're there as well if you're looking for other things to do while you're in town. And I'm also fundraising for the Donna Foundation through this marathon because I find so much purpose in what they are doing. A little bit about my story in 2013, I found out I was positive for the BRCA2 gene mutation and uh, went ahead and elected to have a prophylactic double mastectomy. So breast cancer research and care is very near and dear to my heart. I'm gonna put a link to my fundraising page. I set a lofty goal to raise $10,000 because I thought if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna go big and make a big difference. So. I will put the link to that in my show notes, the fundraising page. And man, if everybody listening to this podcast donated five bucks, we'd be, uh, we'd be sitting pretty good. I'd be, I'd be far exceeding my goal. So appreciate those of you who have already done that. I know that there's a good handful of you who have already supported, uh, the Donna foundation through this fundraising site. Anyway, if you guys want to go to the race, any of their events that weekend, there's a 5K as well. There's a 5K, a 10K, a half, and a full marathon. You can use the code Lindsay15 to get 15% off your entry fee. And we will be uh, having a meetup down there. There's a shakeout run on Friday. And I'm also going to be planning some other things while I'm down there. So make sure you register and tell me. Tell me if you're going to be there so I'm, I can make sure that I meet up with you while I'm there. Again, that is Lindsay15 when you register for the race. And the link to register will be in my show notes at lindsayhine.com. All right, guys, let's continue my conversation with Carly Gill. Let's walk everybody back for a second because we talked about the three, the three your debut marathon. We talked about the sub three. So Carly just ran CIM 247. 
Um, tell us about the marathons in between the 259 and, and the 247. Yeah, so that was 2016 um, November for New York. And then I ran – I was signed up to run Boston 2017, but I think maybe a count of <laughs> trying to chip away too aggressively and, and maybe some of the mileage and, and not listening to my body. I ended up injured um, for the spring, so I actually didn't get to run my first Boston um, I was back up and running by March, but I just didn't want to risk injury and not training and running it anyways. So I didn't run, chose not to, that was really hard. Um, but I ended up running Brooklyn half that year and instead, and had a shorter cycle for that, but, um, was able to kind of have a pretty good half that I was happy with. And then, um, I think it was a smart decision because my hips just, it took some time before I could really run. What long. was the injury? Uh, it wasn't, I, well, I pulled my quad because I was compensating so bad, but it was hip flexor. Mm -hmm. And every time I would try to run, it would just hurt. And I just needed some rest, I think overuse. Um, and I was going to PT and they were really helpful. Um, but every time I would try to get back into running every day or running, you know, five times a week, it would just hurt a lot. So I just needed to rest it. Um, and kind of relearn to like use my hamstrings and things like that. But, um, yeah, so then I didn't run Boston, but then I ran, um, Berlin that year, 2017, my third marathon and had another pretty big breakthrough. I ran 249. So I dropped 10 minutes. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really honestly the night before kind of worried I wouldn't go sub three again. And then, but throughout the training, I was thinking 255 or 254, 253. Um, I was leaning a little more towards 253 as being my real goal. But I just ran my heart out. I don't know. <laughs> I just ran. And it, I mean, it's a super flat course. And it was a beautiful day. Um, and I ran, I got through the half at 125, which was my PR in the half, like, not that long before that race. So I was like, whoa. Um, and I was like, I guess I should go for 250 now um, if I want to try to run decent splits. But then I negative split that race. So I ran a 124.20 or something for the second half. So you PR'd um, your half in the second half. <laughs> no, I had PR'd in Brooklyn. Um, oh, okay. So it was slightly better, but my 125 was my PR until May that year. So, um, yeah, so I had a really, really good race in Berlin last year. That was huge. Um, so that I, was two, that falls 2017? Yeah, September 2017. And I crossed the finish line and – um, a really good friend of mine um, and a super fast marathoner, Kate Lynn Phillips, was right there. And she looked up at me and she looked at the clock. She was elite, so she was done <laughs> quite yeah. a bit before me. But she looked up and Don was like, oh, oh my gosh. And I, I, she was her and the photographer, my photographer friend and really good friend Jason were right there. And I think just pure shock. Um, the 259 surprised me, but this also was a huge, I mean, one of my best races to date, like the way I ran it and um, really good, really good day. I was so surprised to see that four, to see a two, four or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, oh my gosh, you know, that definitely changed my own perspective on what's possible. Were you being coached by Mario yet by then? No, I was still pretty much self-coached. I was running with a couple running groups here, but I was totally in charge of my mileage and my daily runs. Um, so no, I was still, I was still, this was still like self-coached, um, at that point. And then going into Boston, the same thing, but I think, so I ran Boston in this year. Um, 
And I think that after the cycle, so my fourth marathon was Boston this year. And after that cycle was when I was like, I need a coach because I, and I got very much into this mindset of more is better and I've got to do more. And, you know, whether or not my life got busier, I was still trying to do more. And I think I got emotionally and physically drained and I, my tibia was kind of like borderline stress reaction by afterwards. So I, I really, um, I continued to self-coach myself until this spring, um, and kind of overdid it a little bit for Boston. I had a pretty good race in Boston, um, considering the weather. Sure. Um, but afterwards I was torn up. I had to take like six weeks off. What'd you Um, run in Boston? I ran a 255. Okay. Um, in the monsoon. <laughs> so I was happy. I, I went out in like a 123. So I was like super positive split. On oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just, I knew I had to finish. I mean, I'm just a regular marathoner and, and I didn't make it to the start line the f- year before. Yeah. And I was, there. I was there to finish. I, I was there no matter what, you know, um, I mean, I was lucky enough to, you know, I definitely had some hypothermic, um, symptoms at the end, I was definitely like blacking out, but I think it started closer to 22 for me. So I don't really remember much of the end of the race at all. I was kind of just searching for people in the crowd to like see a face I knew every second and just finish. Um, and I think I knew, even though I was slowing down, I was like, I think I could still go sub three. So just finish. And even if you don't like just finish, I think I underestimated the weather. I underdressed. I was in like a crop and shorts and I I was not well dressed. Um, did you have arm sleeves on? I had arm sleeves on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh my goodness. Uh, compression socks. Yes. Okay. So I just back that helped. I was, I run hot, so I was. I do too. Sure, I was looking at the temperature more than I was looking at the fact that it'd be wet. wet but I also yeah. On too many layers, but then seeing the pros all in their jackets, I was like, maybe I should have just a jacket, like a water. Well, not that it would you would jacket. not yeah. be wet, but like a waterproof jacket. Yeah, I think that would have helped. But <sighs> that's really about- hard. Yeah. Also, since you're not a pro, if you wore like a hundred dollar waterproof jacket, like you ain't getting that jacket back. <laughs> I'm not gonna throw that off to the crowd. <laughs> um, I wore a poncho for a good couple of miles, but then I was like, "I'm supposed to take this off, right?" Yeah, I don't know. and so I did. But um, yeah, I, I didn't want soggy layers either. It was such a hard thing to dress for. Oh yeah, well, I think that's when I first heard of who you were because I feel like um, so I was hanging out in Boston with Michelle and Mary Johnson and Ashley Fizzerati, and. Um, I just remember everybody was kind of like picking who they were tracking and stuff like that. And I think that's when Michelle told me who you were. They're like, she was like, you know, she's so cute and she braids people's hair. And (laughs) (laughs) so you were on the, like the list of people we were all tracking. So then you go to run. So you run the 255 in Boston, which is like basically equivalent to a 245. Let's be honest. Um, And then you, start working with Mario. Did you start working with him before or after Boston? After I had met him in the buildup to Boston a, a couple of times and I just loved everything he was about. And I run a lot of loops and stuff with his athletes. I know he has a couple other athletes in Brooklyn and I had become friends with them. And I honestly, I didn't think I was good enough to have a coach. So I just kind of was putting it off. But then I, I think I knew 
that's what I needed because I, I had been going in, you know, 2016, it was perfect for me to just show up at these Nike events, which they don't really have anymore, but like, there's lots of groups in New York that meet, um, and, and do these, you know, support. But I think at this point I, I knew there's something to a personalized approach for sure. Um, especially to make, I, I've made a couple big breakthroughs, but I think to get, where I want to be and, and to really look at it without overdoing it because I am the, with my personality, I would, I just kept thinking doing more was always better. And I mm. think a coach usually does a good job of like pushing you without, um, you know, overdoing it. And so I, I think Mar I, I kept thinking of a list of potential coaches and Mario was always on the top of my list and I reached out and I was pretty bent up, um, and injured when we first started talking and, and, so he helped me kind of safely get back to running once I had the green light. Um, because I had a minor bone injury, so we just really had to rest it. Um, it wasn't a fracture, but it was definitely needed four or five weeks off. Um, and so, yeah, once I got running again, I started working with him and I think I was running again by early June. Um, and I kept saying I wanted to run Chicago, but it was going to be too soon. I was just really eager to get back out and run a marathon. But I think ultimately he and I helped, he helped me make the decision to, if I do want to do a marathon, I think CIM was going to give us more time. I wanted to give him time to like get to know me and my running more, um, and give me time because I did, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in like, it takes time and, and I respect that time. I, I, I don't know if I'll be a 2:45 marathoner by the 20, uh, 2020 trials. And if not, that's okay. Like I would, as long as I'm moving forward, um, I'm not, you know, it's hard because the trials is such a specific yeah. time cut off, but to, you know, if I run 2:46, you know, it'll be a little devastating in my next marathon. But my point is I, I think I, I had, we clicked instantly because he knew I wanted to be doing this for a long time. And I wasn't just like, if I don't make the 2020 trials, it's over. Um, no, I want a marathon. And I, I, I honestly, it's just been fun to see how far I've gotten. I, I mean, if even a year ago you told me I would be running what I am or two years ago, I, I would have just been like, what? Um, and so, yeah, so we started working together in June and, um, Immediately, I mean, it, it took me some time to come back from injury and to feel fit again. But then once we got rolling and, and we had chose CIM and some tune-up races, I it's been really good. I, I think that's exactly what I've needed all along. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, you talk about the 2020 trials. And, I mean, I think there is this, like, I don't know if desperation is the right word. But, like, you know, it's 2018 is wrapping up. So you're thinking it's only every four years, you know. Um, but you, you did say you want to be doing this for a long time. And so even if you qualify, you know, in 2020 or in 2021, 2024 is right around the corner again, you know? Um, but let's talk about that because you did go into CIM with your hopes, uh, and your sights set on the 245. Yes. So I I mean, I think being a 249 marathoner going into a race where there's 99 women that are going to run sub 245, I just felt like, why go out and set myself up for a 246? Why go set yeah. myself up for a 247 when I have all these people to run with at 245? I might crash and burn. And I have never gone into a marathon with, I mean, Boston maybe a little bit. <laughs> 
there. I didn't know, but, but a good condition marathon. Um, with that mindset, I knew it might not be pretty, um, but I knew I wanted to set myself up for the opportunity and going through the half, anything slower than a one twenty two thirty wasn't going to set me up for a great chance at that. So I knew I wanted to, to go for it. Um, I had, I had some doubts, um, but I knew I was fitter than I had ever been. And I knew that meant I could run a two forty six, two forty seven. Um, I kind of, I was very confident I could do that. I knew that there was a chance I was going to throw away the chance to PR by going out at one twenty two thirty or two forty five pace. Um, there was a chance I, I might not PR because I'm not going to be running very conservatively. So I kind of went into the race with the knowledge that it, I'm, I'm setting myself up for a chance and that, yes, that chance. Um, but I'm going to see how I respond because I don't know. I've had some races where I've surprised myself. Um, and I think it, I just wasn't quite there. Um, I wasn't quite ready to run that time on the day. Everything just didn't come quite together, but that's not to say I, I think what was hard was I still mustered a PR and I'm super excited about that. I don't even know. I mean, if you could have seen me in those last couple of miles, like I, I wasn't sure that was even, I wasn't even, I almost stopped at 25 and I've never almost stopped at 25. I mean, in Boston I almost did, but I was delirious, but, <laughs> um, to the mind and the heart were just fighting in those last few miles. And I think, um, the legs just weren't there. And I think what's, what gives me a lot of confidence is the legs can be trained. Like they, they've gone farther, faster than they ever have. So on paper, I only got a two minute PR, but I know, and I felt, and I lived 22 to 23 miles that were pretty close to on pace the whole way. Mm -hmm. And it's just that last 5k or, you know, the last 10k really, but the last 5k can be worked on. And, and I think I knew I just needed a little more time. Um, and I'm excited about that. I like training and I like working. And, and so I think a lot of people thought I was going to be devastated. Um, mm. and I, I mean, I was a little bummed for sure, but I was really excited. I, I'm a 247 marathoner now, you know, I'm, I'm getting closer and, and it was a hard 247. And, and I think that's, what's hard if you're not me to understand. Like I, I ran a really, really solid 20 to 22 miles. Um, and you know, my legs just didn't have it in in the end, but I'm super optimistic that with time I can be there. And I felt, I think what training with Mario has really, I keep saying this to him and I, I don't really know how else to explain it, but I feel stronger and more in control of, of running. And I think as a beginner and someone who's just trained herself in the past, like a lot of times I would go out and, you know, try to get faster and just like jump into it. Like I want to run a 245. So I'm just going to try to like run this pace as much as I can. And, um, maybe I wasn't quite ready for it. And instead I'm doing a lot, like I feel really in control of my paces. And when I lose control, I'm able to kind of, you know, mindfully check in like, okay, am I slowing down? Cause I need to, or am I slowing down? Because it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. You know, like I just feel like there's this level of, and, and I think this comes in time. I think I, um, have had, some pretty good races considering I didn't have a lot of mileage in years and experience, um, in racing. I didn't really run many races in my life, especially not with this fitness and I'm still learning. Um, and it, it's exciting cause I feel like I have a lot of room to grow. And I think, I think I'm an interesting puzzle for Mario because I, 
I do have these really good races, but in terms of like shorter races, I don't. And, um, and it's very evident on the, you know, like certain workouts, it's like very interesting, which ones trip me up. And then, but then you give me a lot of work in the long run and I get excited. I get nervous and excited and I do it. And, um, it's really interesting, um, what trips me up and it's sort of, um, an interesting puzzle to piece together. And I, I, he's been doing an amazing job and I have felt really, really strong. And I knew I was fitter than I had ever been because I had done better workouts and better, um, long runs than I ever had. And, um, and I think that gave me confidence that I knew I was in better than 249 shape. And so, um, to have that and going in there, I, I didn't want to just PR. I wanted to go for it. And then to also come out with a PR, it was amazing. And I'm proud of that. So, yeah, well, I love that you did it. Like, I love that you took the risk because it's easy to not take the risk. It's easy to say, I'm just going to go for the PR, which you were going for the PR, but it's like, well, why not? You know, because what if, like, what if you could have, and, and you still PR'd by two minutes, you know? And I think there's races where it's probably not a good idea to do that, but there's races where it is a good idea. And like you said, there were 99 other women qualifying for the trials. So like, why not use that? Yeah. And that was, that was sort of why I was going to run that race and why I was doing it. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, yeah, exactly. With time and with, um, more preparation, I'm excited to see what can happen because I lost all like most of those two minutes I lost in the last couple of miles. And so that sounds terrible. That sounds like, oh man, she hit a really bad wall. But the way I'm looking at it is I ran like almost 24 yeah. miles. Yeah doing it and you know the marathon if the marathon was you know not 26 yeah not that you know what I mean but like I've you almost did the whole thing yeah I've never run that pace for that long and and I've lived it now and now I understand like and I'm more motivated than ever to now work on my half and make it feel even easier um because I don't have a really big range so um so I think that's something I could work on because I you would think the way I kind of fell apart at the end was because of stamina, but I, I, I mean, I'll ask Mario, but I, I really actually think it's because I don't have very much range and, um, and I think working on those speeds faster, you would think like, Oh no, do more long runs, do more long runs. No, I, I love the long run. And if you gave me a 22 mile run every weekend, I love it now. Um, but it's actually for me, like working on these other things like speed and half marathon, you know, half marathon time, like trying to get that down and, um, work on some of those to make the pace feel easier. And every, actually like the years that I had my breakthroughs, I didn't do a spring marathon. It was like very much so like speed and half and then a marathon, um, for New York 2016, when I ran 259, I didn't run a marathon in the spring and same thing with Berlin. I didn't run a marathon in the spring and then I ran Berlin and had a really good race. And it's not that I'm blaming the fact that I ran Boston. I was pretty beat up after Boston. And I think that took out a little bit of time and, and then, um, Chicago would have been a really, really big rush for me to get ready. Oh, sure. Um, CIM gave me eight more weeks, which helped tremendously. And, and I'm excited about those eight weeks. So to come out with a, with a PR from that, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, and I, I'm choosing to look at the positives and, and not see it as a blow up. Um, it's sort of, it's, it is really weird. I've never had a race where 
I think a lot of people were hesitant to congratulate me. Mm. Um, and that hurt a little bit, but yeah. now I understand it. after talking to people, I totally understand it because I think a lot of people didn't know the state of my, um, my response to it. And immediately after, I mean, I was a little bummed, but I was actually very optimistic that with a little more work, I can do it. And so that was really helpful and, and made me really happy. Um, and it's not over. It's not over. I'm not done. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was a little hurt and, and I, it took me some time to kind of understand my own feelings after the race because I wasn't really letting myself be sad, which I think was not good because I needed to be sad a little and, you know, understand that it's okay to be a little bit disappointed. Um, and, and Mario said to me, he said, you know, you can be disappointed just for today, but immediately I was just happy. And, um, it was kind of the opposite. Like three days later, I was a little disappointed. And I think, um, I was super excited and happy for all these people I know who did it and, um, seeing, you know, people congratulating them that know us both and, and they, uh, didn't say anything to me. I was oh like, yeah. Ended and sad and and I was letting that get to me and I was like you know what you know you're you're two forty seven marathoner if there's any other marathon everyone would be just super happy for you but it's you put yourself in the position to for people to think you might be disappointed yeah so, yeah and it, yeah and they probably just didn't know what to say like yeah, uh, is she upset like what should I say yeah one of my best friends um here we went on a hike last weekend and she was like I just didn't know I didn't Aww. I was like, no, it's okay. I get it. I get it now. And actually hearing from a close friend that she just was like, you know, they said congratulations, but you know, testing the waters a little bit about it, but yeah. Well, I mean, two minute PR, no matter how fast or slow you're running is, is a lot, but when you're running a two forty seven marathon, that's a really big PR. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, I would have, I remember I met a 247 marathoner. I think it was two years ago. This woman had told me her PR was 247. I was like, Oh, you know, (laughs) I think, I think people forget. And a lot of people don't know that I just started, you know, I'm just getting started. Um, Yeah. Your fifth marathon. I mean, that's not very many marathons. (laughs) Yeah. Three years of marathoning and, and not a lot of running under my belt before that. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. And I think, I think it's okay to be disappointed. I think a lot of women reached out to me after that didn't get it. And they're like, you know, what race are you doing? And immediately go to that. And I did too. I immediately, I mean, I talked to Mario the next day about what, what I wanted to do for the next Yeah. And like, you know, what to do. And I think that's natural and healthy as long as you're doing it for the right reasons. And, and you're not, it's not everything and all consuming. Um, and, and that's been something that's, I said to Mario from the beginning and I said, um, you know, when I started marathon, I was like, just don't let it be negatively all consuming. I love, I actually really enjoy implementing, especially when I'm training, like how can I make training feel good? And like, if I eat this, will I feel better and sleep more? And and I love doing that, but I think there's also a balance and now is my time to like let loose a little bit and and really take a mental break. And if I really want to take a day, take it, you know, I've taken a lot of days obviously, but, um, you know, taking those, breaks within your training cycle, but then also taking the breaks between training cycles, um, longer or shorter, depending on, you know, your next year and what your goals are. But I think that rest, um, in between is, is huge. Oh, for sure. So do you have plans for 2019 to go at it again? Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) I, I didn't, 
immediately after the race, I said to Mario, I was like, don't let me change my mind. Don't let me run a spring marathon. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, he immediately agreed. I was like, I'm going to want to probably in like a month when (laughs) everybody's going to be doing it. And it's a little scary, but I know, I knew immediately after the race that I wanted and needed and what would be best. And he agreed. And he was going to say the same thing. We're just immediately on the same page. Like take the spring off, run, you know, halves work, really work on halves and speed and do some five Ks. Like I've been wanting to kind of take a season to do that. Um, and so I, I, because I just feel like that's the, where I have a lot of room for growth. I don't, because I didn't come from running fast five Ks and fast, you know, even past halves, fast 10 Ks, my 10 K PR is like in a half. I don't even know, <laughs> have a lot of experience with those speeds. And I really think all my best races have come after I've taken a break and done that. And so it's a little scary because it's kind of like, it's 2019. Do you want to do, you know, do a grandma's and then have CIM as the backup or Mm -hmm. do a Lynn or do Houston. I know some girls who are, who just did CIM are going to take another stab. I just don't think that's, uh, I don't want to just keep beating my head against the marathon to the point where I don't like it. And, and I think it's a little scary to have, I'm pretty much putting all my cards on Berlin. Yeah. Berlin or Chicago, probably Berlin. Um, and it's a little scary. It is. But I also am like, I would rather put put the spring together and, and see how I respond to the speed and then go into a cycle with these new speeds and feel really, really strong going into Berlin. And, and if for whatever reason things don't come together in Berlin, I can consider another late fall race um like CIM again um it's not ideal for the trials race to do on that lap that last minute but I think you know I would just assess after that but I very much don't like to think past um the marathon I'm currently running like I've decided on either Berlin or Chicago and I don't even want to think about the backups and I've always been that way like even when I went to CIM I didn't want to plan on anything until after I ran that race um so that's currently the plan is I'm going to kind of step away um, and just not away, but I'm going to step back in the mileage a little bit and and focus on the half, Um, do some five K's along the way and 10 K's and do some good solid running in the spring. And then, you know, stay healthy (laughs) is the main goal Um, and get some solid, solid spring training to, to boost me for the summer and then train for Berlin or Chicago. I mean, I vote Berlin because you know the course and yeah, Berlin, if there's any reason I can't physically go to like travel. Yeah. That would be the reason I would switch to Chicago, but I'm, I'm leaning, I'm pretty positive. I'm going to run Berlin and the course is amazing. The ground is so soft (laughs) and it's just, it's an incredible course. When, Um, When is Berlin? It's it's actually later this year. I think it's, or next year, it's September 29th. It's like the last weekend in September. Okay. So it's like an early, it's like one of the earliest fall marathons. Yeah, exactly. And I, I wouldn't want to plan on also doing CIM. CIM, Right. If I needed to, then that would have a longer turnaround than if you did like a November marathon. Yeah. And that would be the, that would be the you know, sort of something to assess after. If I didn't do it in Berlin, it's like, okay, well, how bad do you want to be in the 2020 trials? Or would you rather be, you know, like if it's going to put a mental toll on me to make it to the trials, it defeats the purpose. I think, um, I just want to keep a healthy desire <laughs> to, to it and it, it can be all consuming. Um, so For sure. Yeah. Good, well, yeah, you're going to be 
at the 2024 trials regardless. But yeah, I'd say there's a good shot that you'll also be at the 2020 trials. I hope so. <laughs> but you have a good perspective, like the long road, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think it's easy to, you know, whether it's training to break four, training to break five, training to break three, training to qualify for Boston or any of these big barriers, it's really easy to get hung up on it or get really beat yourself up if you have a setback or, you know, you have a season where you get hurt and then, you know, oh man, no, I'm not going to qualify for this Boston or I really wanted to break three this year or I really wanted to break five, you know, whatever the barrier is, it can be good. It's really good. That's what's driven me to push myself beyond my limit, but it can also, I felt the effects of it. I think training for Boston, I let it consume me a little bit too much. And then look at the day I had, you know, I, I like let this fact, the fact that I didn't feel ready to run 245 kind of push me to run more. You know, I was like, if I can't run the pace, then I'll just double up and run extra. And I'll just keep adding, even though my body was telling me to stop, I just kept doing it. And I think it's really important to not lose sight of why and, and, and what is the real reason you want to do this in the first place. And ultimately I want to line up at the trials because I think it would show me and myself that you can do anything and hopefully other people that you don't have to be, you know, immediately born with a talent to, you know, and you can, you can do these amazing things by just trusting yourself and, 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 but also balancing. I think keeping a balance with everything you do is, is really important. I think a lot of runners and me included in the past have like get hung up with caught up with what other people are doing. Yes. You're not always focused in where you're at. And, um, you know, a lot of people had an amazing day at CIM. I had sort of somewhere in the middle day and then some people had a bad day. And I think, um, I think it's easy to get caught up in the comparison and it's so cliche, but comparison really does kill the joy. And I think, I think I, if I, there was a chance, you know, I wouldn't be where I am because I kept comparing my half PR or my 5k PR to all these people I'm lining up with. And it's like, I refuse to, if anyone starts talking numbers at a start line or (laughs) don't do that. On the way to New York, I was surrounded by these sub elites and I was a 321 marathoner and I was like, what am I doing here? You know, and I immediately <laughs> started psyching myself out because I'm on the bus with the sub elite because I got put in because of my halftime last minute and I was super excited, but I'm a 321 marathoner sitting on this bus and I was like, I don't belong. And everybody's talking about all these times they've run amazing things and I was like, put my headphones in and I was just like, you can't count yourself out by comparing because it's it's really easy to count yourself out. You could find one thing. I'm short. I'm really, really short. I'm 4'11", you know? It's like... Are you really 4'11"? 4'11". I'm, you know, I'm built a little bit differently than most runners, you know? I'm a little more on the petite side. There's there's so many things you can do. And I used to line up kind of thinking I didn't belong. Um, and that was something, and that's so hard to, to learn and to grow into. And I think that's personal for everyone. But I finally lining up in CIM, I think internally the difference and just feeling like I belong here and I belong in this group and I belong running this pace. And I didn't have doubts in that way. I knew there was a chance that I wasn't physically prepared enough to run the 245, but I knew I belonged there giving myself a shot. I didn't feel out of place. And I think that's a personal journey that's taken a while because I'm not the like leanest and not the like linkiest, tallest, runner out there I'm you know I'm a little more muscular I have like 
I'm 4'11". I can't be super <laughs> mean. And, and I think it's been a great message out there with a lot of the pros. I look up to a lot of pros and I think that helps. And there's been so, so many good messages about all the different ways you can look and be and feel and come from and athletes who change sports and you come into it later in life. It's cool. I mean, I'm very young, but I, you know, compared to these pro athletes and a lot of the sub elite athletes, I'm very new. And, um, it's kind of cool. I feel like it's just seeing that not as a bad thing, but as an opportunity, which is how I kind of felt after the finish line at CIM. I was like, wow, cool. I'm, you know, I'm a 247 marathoner and it's only been like three years. This is great. Like, you know, to choose to like kind of see everything glass half full in, in your, in regards to your training. And, um, you know, maybe you'll run a race and you won't PR, but you had a pretty rough injury you came off of. And, you know, like looking at where you're at now and not always where you want to be um, in, in a negative way. Um, it's cool to have these goals to work towards, but um, but not letting it not letting it hurt your self-worth, you know, if, if you don't do it. If I never run a 245 and I continue to progress 10 seconds at a time and I'm enjoying it and I run a 245.01, you know, at 38 and I, you know, and then I decide I don't want to keep training as hard, you know, whatever it is, um, it's not my self-worth if I don't cross that line, you know, and I have to, I think in Boston, I just felt really beat up after that race emotionally and physically and, and, um, (laughs) the weather didn't help. And I think it was just a turning point where I was like, okay, I mean, the trials would be really cool, but remember that two years ago, it wasn't even part of what you were thinking, you know, and it's a cool goal and, and it's really awesome to work towards something that you care about, but it is not your self worth or, um, it shouldn't dictate how you feel about yourself and like what you can do if you, if you don't do it, as long as you're working towards something and getting better and feeling good, what more can you, what more can you really want? Yeah. And I mean, I, I really feel like, you know, you mentioned that at CIM that you're, you know, some people had a great race, you had a good race, but maybe not a great race, but like I, everything you've said and from what I've watched, like to me, it was a great race. Like on the outside looking in because though you had those two miles where you were, you know, you, the legs couldn't go like, I don't know, something about the, co- the confidence you went into it with to say, I'm just going to go for it because I have this opportunity and what you're walking away saying, I just feel like all of that, that's a success, you know? Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay, Carly. Well, let's, uh, before we do into the podcast, let's, let's talk about your braids because I don't like, I need you to tell everybody the situation. And did you, were you doing the braid thing before, uh, Colleen Quigley and then you guys morphed or like, (laughs) give us the rundown. Um, yeah, Colleen and I connected when she started, I think she and I both have been braiding our whole lives. So we'll say that, but, um, I had, I think around the same time, I mean, I started the runner braids account because, so I have an Instagram account runner braids and because my friends, I would braid everybody's hair at these events and then they would send me like selfies with them or (laughs) them running. And, um, and so I started it because I was just like, Oh, here, I can put them all here. Um, they were going to start like a hashtag, but then I don't know, people are particular about what they post. So we put them all on braids and it really wasn't going to be something I 
kept up with. I just was like, oh, fun. Um, and I, I've been braiding hair since I was really little. My mom was a hairdresser and, you know, that's what I like to do. Play with my dolls and like braid their hair and, you know, take photos and, um, things like that. And it's kind of weird because now I just started doing that again. Um, when I started running again, people would ask me to braid back their bangs or braid their hair into two braids for races. And, um, I started doing that and having more fun with it. And so I started the account. Um, and then Colleen started doing, you know, French braid now fast braid Friday. Uh-huh. Um, and reached out to me when she was actually, well, we connected a few times cause she saw the account and it was like one of the first ones she posted in her story. And that was really cool. And, and it helped grow a little bit of a following. And at that point I was, I ended up kind of doing some events in New York with some trainers and some brands here. Now we'll, like I'll do some like pop-ups. It's really fun. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and I braided a lot of people for the New York City Marathon this year. We had, like, five braiders. I had to bring on extra braiders. We braided, like, <laughs> almost 200 people for the New York City Marathon this year. It was amazing. I wish uh, I would have known to, like, come try to meet you because I was in New York this year, but I was kind of, like, in a frenzy. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. But I, I should have, like, showed up at a braid meetup. Yeah, it was a, it was hectic, but I was really – it was exciting. Um, I def, We definitely want to do more. Um, now my friend Tony and I are kind of doing it together. It's more fun with a friend. Um, but, yeah, Colleen reached out to me um, – uh, I don't remember when, but – and then when she was changing the hashtag to Fast Break Friday and, and posting that video, she – uh, asked me to send in a video and so I was there between like these Olympians and I'm like well, I don't belong <laughs> it was cool and so then and then when she was coming to New York and doing this event we like connected and then finally met and I helped her with her fast break Friday event here when she was doing the fit that mile um and then she asked me and Tony to come braid her and um uh and a couple of friends hair for the fifth that mile which was really cool that's so fun so we, yeah, I braided her hair and she got second. She's crazy. She's so good. Yeah. Um, just one of, honestly, actually her mindset that morning kind of, it stuck with me because she was in such a good mood that morning. And, you know, a lot of them are serious. I think everybody has their own pre-race thing. But as we were leaving her, we we're like, good luck. Oh my gosh. Like, how are you feeling? She's like, I'm ready to win this. And she was just like, it didn't even matter to her that she's like a steepler or like where she was at. She's like, I'm ready to put myself out there and win this, you know? And I that love was, that. That's exactly what she said. But she definitely was going into that. Like, why not? Like I could win it. She wasn't saying, no, Jenny's here. I can't win this. Or, you know, these are all milers. I can't win that. You know, she was like, yeah, I'm going to try to win this. And we're like, and just the way she said it, I was like, that's how you have to be. You just have to like, why own not? It. Own it. And she had her braids in. It was amazing. Um, and yeah, so we, I braided her hair there and then now we've kind of stayed in touch. She sent me a nice message before CIM and it's been really fun. We're like Instagram turned, uh, another way social media is great. Um, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> friends. Uh, yeah, it's been really fun. Um, we just did, I just did an event last night actually. Uh, oh, you did? Holiday braids. Yeah. <laughs> holiday braids. Okay. I have like short kind of like, well, it's short compared to your hair, but I have short, not very voluptuous hair and I feel like my hair would be difficult no no I all kinds of hair I think different styles look better on different types yeah of and like depending on the shape of your head or where you part it um and yeah but you, I can braid all types I've braided all types of hair I also and, have like a like the front like a it's like like balding spots on the t- two corners because I like twist my hair and then like postpartum like hair loss. So you'd have to braid mine in a way that it like kind of covered that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we could do like a loose crown braid or something. 
hang into a ponytail. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so braid in your photo on the podcast. There we go. Yeah. So tell me. Oh, there is. Is there? Yeah, yeah there is. Yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah, because you know that picture on my podcast art is from a photo shoot when I was on the cover of Women's Running Magazine in 2015. And I just pulled that photo and like gave it to my graphic designer. I was like, can you just use that? And yeah, my, the very front of my hair, can you even tell if there's a braid? Yeah, I, I noticed it. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> that's so funny. And that, that's totally random. Cause I'm not a huge braid person, but I do do that little tiny front braid, um, mm. with my ponytail sometimes when I race, cause it keeps all those wispies out of my face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why we do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what kind of shampoo do you use? shampoo do I use um I like the organics brand okay uh, shampoos I switch it up whatever I'm feeling I think I have a coconut one right now okay awesome I'm just curious because you do I mean beyond all the braid stuff you really do truly have really good hair oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) I grew out my natural color I used to be like bleach blonde like you really couldn't keep it up here in the New York oh I'm sure it's a fortune right yeah, and my hair got really damaged, so it took a while to kind of grow up my natural color. You know what? I tried to go back natural because my natural is probably it's probably a little bit lighter than your natural if what you what you are right now is your natural, but I just I like I look at pictures and I'm like I like how I look better with lighter hair, so I'm just going back, but I I gave it a good go. Yeah, yeah, no totally. I kind of want to go a little lighter this spring, but like maybe like carefully. And yeah, and beyond the finance part of it, it's like really time consuming. It is. And I, I, but I like how braids look in blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But like you go get your hair cut, it's 45 minutes. You go get your hair cut and your hair colored, it's like two and a half hours. Yes. It's like a whole nother ball game. Um, All right, Carly. (laughs) Well, let's do, let's wrap up. Congratulations again on CIM. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I love it. Um, what is one thing personally or professionally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, I think it's a, t- it's a tough question. All your questions are tough. Um, <laughs> I personally, in I don't know in what way, but I, I really have a strong desire to work with kids more. Okay. Um, I work in television right now, but and I've done some shows with kids on them, but I think, you know, maybe outside of that, doing a lot more stuff with kids, whether it's coaching, helping, mentoring, um, just like to work with kids or and have kids of my own which I'm not there yet but um you know I think just I have I have six nieces and nephews so they're my kids for now (laughs) I saw that in your Instagram that you seemed like you had a lot of nieces and nephews how many girls and how many boys two girls and four boys oh yeah you know it's something that you don't ask people you know like you don't ask people like do you want kids or are you gonna have kids and so it's kind of fun that you just kind of brought it up and put it out there yeah, it would be, it's a direct question, but it's something I'm super passionate about. I want to have kids of my own eventually one day. I'm not, you know, with anyone right now, but then, um, to work with kids, whether they're my own or others wise, I think there's, I have a desire to kind of help. That's cool. What is the best, most recent book you've read? My most recent is the mindful athlete. Okay. Um, I got kind of in, uh, obviously before a marathon, I always read a lot of those kind of books, but I love it. I love the idea of mindfulness and running. And it was cool to hear how it was implemented with like NBA players too. And like the zone, I've read a lot of stuff on mindfulness and I think it's very interesting. And I think a lot of us are, use it more than we even realize mindfulness in our everyday life. 
And right before that, I read Dina Castor's book, which was really good. I flew through that as well. Yeah, it's a good one. It's an easy read, and it's but it's a good read. Really good, yeah. If you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring, who would it be? Um, dead or alive? So dead to. or alive. Um, okay, so I have to have two answers. Okay, good. <laughs> because if, if I could have coffee with someone, it would be my dad. Um, mm. He passed when I was a baby, so that is always my answer. Um, I would love to just have a coffee with him. Um, alive, I would choose Michelle Obama. I think she would be really cool to meet and chat with. Are you the youngest in your family? Yes. Okay, so you're the you were a baby when your dad died, and how old was your oldest sibling? Uh, eight. So it was, there was four of us. There's four of you. Oh wow. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah, yeah, it was hard, but you know, he's been gone most of my life, so I think just having a coffee with him would be would be really cool. Yeah, that's good. Did your mom remarry? Yes. Yeah, Dennis is awesome. <laughs> so you've had the same. Would st- you now? Do you call him your stepdad or or your like? Uh, what do you call him? Yeah, my stepdad. Yeah, and he's been with you most of your life. Yeah, yeah, I was in late elementary school. Okay, and then Michelle Obama, she's touring right now. I know her book is like next on my list. I is it? it? It's out, out. Yeah, right. Out, yeah, and it's beautiful. I'm like, I can't wait to read it. <laughs> I do. Have you listened? Have you ever listened to Oprah Super Soul? Yes. Okay. Did you listen to her interview with Michelle? Yes. It's good. good. Yeah. It's like a two-parter. Yeah. It's really good. I know. I feel like there's so much out there, but I think just having like a very casual conversation with her would be really cool. For sure. For sure. Okay. So what is your message that you want to send to the world or my listeners? Um, I guess I'll go back to sort of my running journey. I guess just not to count yourself out, you know, based on anything. If you work towards something and believe in yourself and have fun doing it and do it in a healthy way, I think the sky's the limit. I don't think um, putting a limit on yourself. But at the same time, if you're setting a big goal, you know, set little stepping stones because um, the little victories along the way are just as sweet, if not sweeter than the big victories and, and not focusing on that end goal and just kind of focusing on the positives. And everything that you do. Don't count yourself out, people. Yeah. <laughs> Don't count yourself out. All right, Carly. Well, have a Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show and congratulations again. We will um oh I didn't I don't know I don't think I told you this, but I talked to Mario. Awesome. And um we're gonna do a Patreon episode where he talks to me about coaching people like you. And so I'm excited to like, after hearing about your journey and your past five marathons, like I'm excited to then pick Mario's brain and talk to him about what it's like to coach an athlete like you. Awesome. That's pretty cool. I can't wait to hear. Yeah. I think he said he's having you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that he's probably putting that out next week or the week after that. So that's exciting. All right, Carly, we'll have a great rest of your day. Yes, you too. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, Carly, for coming on the show. I loved talking with you and hearing your story. You guys make sure you're following Carly on Instagram. She's Carly, C-A-R-L-Y, Sheree, S-H-E-R-E-E. And go follow her Runner Braids account as well because she has an account called Runner Braids and that's like a big part of her whole deal. She does these awesome braids and she's collaborated with Colleen Quigley a couple times who we all know is into braiding as well. 
What a positive, happy, joyful person Carly was. Thank you again, Carly, for coming on the show. You guys can also follow me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhines626. Find our Facebook group. Find our Facebook group if you do anything else. That's all of another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We have a group where people connect. You can find other runners in your area to meet up with. And also people just come for advice and to cheer each other on, which is what I love. Having a community of people to cheer each other on. I'm also on Twitter, Lindsay Hine. And you guys can support my work behind the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine, where there's bonus content for you. All right, guys. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Carly and I hope you're having a great Friday. Have a great rest of the weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.